you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, he's manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. How was your weekend? My weekend was filled with socializing. Uh, you know, sort of one of these uh, indicators of of a of a post COVID mentality, like friends coming over, us going over to friends, birthday party for kids. It just felt like 2019 all over again. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's really and, good. And and your weekend? Before we get to my weekend, okay. We are, of Power. course. Oh, oh, screwed it up. Just, screwed just going it up. right for it. <laughs> We are, as always, powered by communitycars.com, sponsor of the pod, Hoosier Hysterics, communitycars.com, Hoosier Legends, talk with Warren Eric, and Fade Out, and listen to us talk over the Fade Out because it's so professional. It really is. It's smooth. It's seamless. It is. It's like... I feel like you would hear something like that on like 103 The Breeze. Is that a real station or did you? I don't know. It It sounds like it should be. W-A-R-U in Peru. Oh, yeah. They fired me. (laughs) What? (laughs) What did they fire you for? I might have showed up late. Just once? A couple of times. (laughs) I was like, I was a teenager it was like a 5 a.m call on a weekend i had to ride my yamaha raz motor scooter to get out there it was all it was all set up for failure from the beginning how many um how many days had you worked before they fired you i i got like a few weekends in (laughs) so you only worked on the weekends yeah Uh they you you worked a couple two three couple three weekends and then they fired you were late for probably most of those just one. You but, were only late for one? Well, maybe it was two. And it was the second one where then suddenly I was no longer, I checked the work schedule and suddenly just, they didn't fire me. I just wasn't on the schedule anymore. Did you ever get paid from them? I did. Yeah. Oh. I once worked at S&P Oyster Company as a busboy. 
and I quit halfway through the first shift. <laughs> I just walked out and they never paid me and they owe me money. Mm, yeah, you're not going to get it. No, but they do owe me money, those sons of bitches. All right, listen, this is normally the time where we rave about communitycars.com because as you know, we love raving about communitycars.com. So eloquently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this time we're going to do something different because you and I were privy to a message that we received from a longtime listener of the podcast uh, who we have never met never talked to before, and I just want to read the message that he sent us. Unsolicited. Unsolicited. It says, you wouldn't know me unless you watched my 45 Seconds of Fame in Perfect in 76, a.k.a. that's the documentary on Showtime about the 1976 team. Mm-hmm. I had been trying to buy a used car for my daughter who lives in Bloomington for three weeks. I live in St. Augustine, Florida, and most of the Yahoo car dealers in central Indiana can't figure out how to sell me a car on the phone. I was walking on the beach and listening to your podcast interview with Coach Woodson and thought I ought to give Community Cars a shot. And then in all caps, success, exclamation mark. I called them on Tuesday afternoon. They overnighted me the paperwork for the purchase and financing, and my daughter picked up the car on Saturday. They were honest about the inflated used car prices instead of trying to sound slick about the price. It was a great experience for both my daughter and me. You may share this if you wish. We wish. We wish, and we're so happy. I mean, that, that, that could not make us more happy that you had the same experience that we know everyone will have because I've had it. Mm-hmm. We know what it is at the top of that company, and it trickles down. It's good people running the company. Evan Martin and his family have been running it for years, and it trickles down to a staff of people who are just good people that are trying to help you buy a car. This is what an everybody wins scenario because let, let's be honest. We don't want to just take Evan's money for doing these silly reads. We want to know that there's actually something besides our gratitude that comes back towards community cars and to know that the message is getting out there and that it's working. And not only so Evan is his family can continue to do what they do. Uh, uh, we can continue to do what we do, but now there is a, a father and a daughter who have taken care of this vital transportation issue in Bloomington. It's It's what we all want to have happen when we do these silly reads. Communitycars.com. I added a little little sauce on it there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So my weekend. We're going to look for those of you who don't like the intros. Just start hitting the 30 second fast forward button. Okay, just do it. I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm telling you to do it now. But we're going to go on a little detour. The last few weeks of my non-IU podcast life have been a little bit tumultuous. Uh, My girlfriend, who, as many of you know, Holly, who is basically my partner in life, like we're not going to get married, but we are as much of a couple as you can be, and our families are intertwined, uh, has been through the ringer. Um, Three weeks ago, her sister died of lung cancer. She'd been battling it basically the entire time COVID's been around. Like she got diagnosed like a month before COVID, I think, maybe even a couple of weeks and has been battling it and lost that battle three weeks ago. And it was heartbreaking. It is, it is still heartbreaking. At the same time, her husband's father, her father-in-law was also dealing with brain cancer and was on a downward trajectory, but had been stable for a little bit and then took 
a massive downturn right at the same time that Holly's sister, Heidi, was in her final days. And at the same time, Holly's father, so Holly and her sister, Heidi, their father, who's had dementia for years, he also took a downturn. And this was all happening right at the same time. Well, it all came to a head last week when Heidi, Heidi's father-in-law passed away on Wednesday. And then my girlfriend, Holly, her father passed away Saturday night. And it's just atrocious. I mean, it's just, it is more than any family should ever have to bear at, at, you know, within a several year period, let alone a three week period. And there's kids involved and it's all just really bad. I tell all of you this because there is a bit of levity that I'm going to bring to this story that I have to share. Because it all happened at once and because there were just too many memorials and funerals going on at the same time, it was difficult to figure out whose house to use. So I offered my house for the memorial for Heidi's father-in-law. I've become good friends with her husband, Holly's uh, you know, brother-in-law, and we used, I gave him my house to use after the funeral yesterday. So it was really sad, but you know, as those things often go, you get a lot of people around that all know the person and funny stories are shared and there is some levity and there was lots of food. So that all went as well as it could have gone. It was actually nice to see so much love around, you know, and people talking so nicely about this man and, and the whole family that and Heidi, who was lost three weeks ago, and then Holly's dad. It was nice to be around that many people. There's well, the nothing, night comes there, to an There's just nothing more affirming life yes. affirming love affirming then in those moments you know like the sadness is still all around but the smiles and the love and the laughter that's like wow like life never feels more precious and wonderful than in literally the the wake of those situations several people who came to my house they were like so you're a big indiana fan huh I'm like, oh, I what gave it away? And they're like, well, I don't know, half the books. And there's a blueprint of Assembly Hall on your wall. And you wore that all Indiana suit <laughs> to the services. Seemed inappropriate. <laughs> Seemed strange. I did, by the way, it was so hot and, and it was all outside. I had to wear a hat and all I had was my IU like fisherman's hat. Sure. So I wore that and the looks I got for that were not great. So the it, it, people came over here around two o'clock and my night didn't end until about eight or nine o'clock. But the story I want to share with you is that while that was going on and, and the gentleman who passed away, his name was Billy Adler. He was, I think, 80, um, about 80 years old, maybe 82. Uh, so you can imagine a lot of his friends are, are up there in age. And so there were a lot of older people here, some kids too, you know, grandkids and nieces and nephews, but a fair share of older people that I always love picking their brain and talking about their lives and where they came from, and you know, war veterans and things like that. But at the same time, apparently that that was going on at my house in mid afternoon, directly across the street, my neighbor experienced some drama of their own. So sometime mid afternoon, the neighbors who live directly across the street from me, they're a middle-aged couple, probably late fifties, very nice. The woman is a spitfire. She just says whatever is on her mind. She's ballsy. She still smokes cigarettes. Like, you know, if you're smoking cigarettes in Los Angeles in your late 50s, like you're a badass. Like that's <laughs> who you are. And the husband's a really nice guy. They were 
in the on the second floor of their house mid-afternoon the husband was buck naked getting ready to go in for a shower and the wife was like in her pajamas uh just lounging around and the husband is walking to the shower and the wife is walking the other way and they both at the same time hear their front door close and there's been a rash of home invasions in the los angeles area overall and they immediately freak out and the husband says quiet there's somebody in the house we have an invasion her mind immediately goes into like her fight or flight goes to fight she said she remembered that a friend of hers had a home invasion about a year ago and the way that the friend was able to escape it was to act really aggressive like basically the same way you would treat a bear. Yeah, yeah, or a pack of coyotes. Just yeah. Rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> just scare them. Yeah. So the husband who is naked bolts into his room to just throw on some commando, you know, gym shorts. Because God forbid you deal with this naked, which I do <laughs> yeah. appreciate. Yeah, no, I do, I do the same thing. She who they they have weapons available to them upstairs. They have talked about this. So they have like a mag light flashlight and a baseball bat. So she grabs a weapon and she starts heading towards the stairs and starts screaming. And I apologize for the language, but it's important that I use it. She starts screaming. Who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out of my house. I'm going to fucking cops. We'll fucking kill you. We will fucking kill you. Get the. So she's screaming like a wild banshee. He has now gotten his pants on, shorts on, comes, meets her on the stairs, passes her on the stairs, walks down the stairs in enough time to see like the back leg of somebody cross the hallway and like head into their kitchen. So he makes his way down. She has a weapon in hand and is still screaming. He beat the husband beats her down the stairs. They finally all four get to a place where they're at the, the owners are at the bottom of the stairs and the intruders are in their kitchen and they come face to face and the husband immediately realizes these two people are not threats. And so he looks back at his wife who is still screaming, you motherfuckers! And she's got a weapon. And he realizes they are not threats because they are, as what was described to me, two octogenarians <laughs> one of whom the man looks exactly like larry david <laughs> and the wife has now come down and is in full view with her weapon which and she is brandishing it like she's going to use it she bypassed the baseball bat and bypassed the maglite flashlight and grabbed in her panic a soft velvet hanger <laughs> Okay, and, to jab in the eyes, eye jabbing. Right, right. And the woman, the older woman in the kitchen looks at her and goes, I'm sorry, uh, we're trying to go to a funeral memorial service. <laughs> and the husband, the intruder, takes off his jacket and says to the woman who is screaming at him, holding the velvet hanger, what were you going to do? Hang my jacket while I stole your jewelry? <laughs> So it was Larry David. It was Larry David. Uh, the woman with the, the owner of the house with the hanger is losing her mind. She's like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, we're trying to go to a funeral. And she, in her uh, moment of clarity, says, I am very sorry for your loss. 
but you have to get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> the older couple turns around, walks out the front door, and right before they close the door behind them, the woman says, by the way, you have a very cute house. <laughs> door closes. They come to our party, our party, our memorial. They don't tell anybody that. No one is the wiser. I only find out because at the end of last night, I'm smoking a cigar at the end of uh, in my front porch, and my neighbor comes out and says, Eric, I'm sorry, but I had a horrible encounter with one of your funeral guests. Like, what happened? And then she tells me this story. So I, of course, call everybody, and I share the story with as many people as I can. We find out it's this plastic surgeon who lives in Beverly Hills who just was like, didn't want to steal the thunder of this memorial and tell anybody, but he almost got shot. <laughs> um, but it was a nice moment of levity that everybody could laugh about in what has been the culmination of a horrible several weeks of real life stuff. But I figured you would enjoy that story at the very least. I did. I did. And, you know, look, I wanted to do what I, I, I could to help out in the situation, which was absolutely nothing. <laughs> But, you know, the the one thing I offered out very specifically was to come and do a 90-minute presentation on the UFO phenomenon yeah, for Holly and her family, which uh, I'm not sure, you know, you took the temperature of the room. I guess it just wasn't the right moment. Uh, but you will be happy to know, because I'm sure you're going to want to join me, that, um, you know, this is going to get out. This is going to be published one hour. This is going to be tomorrow, Tuesday morning. Oh. This will publish at 6 a.m., at, at uh, well, I guess actually, no, listeners will have a four-hour window where 10 a.m. Eastern time, they can join me like you're going to. Sure. For a, a Zoom watch party for the first UFO congressional hearings uh, in like 60 years. They're going to be a public hearing. Yeah. Congress, they're going to be grilling top members of DOD and Naval Intelligence on the reality of UFOs on the new UFO office that is now set up and saying, hey guys, how's the UFO investigation going? It's kind of a big deal. So I'll be watching it live and anybody who wants to join me on the watch party is more than welcome to. I'm sure you'll be happy to send out the Zoom link. Yeah, no, we'll tweet it out for sure. Good, it's, good. It's, it, it's about time. So what's going on in IU basketball? It's kind of a quiet period. I liked what IU and Philly had to say. IU and Philly posted on the Peaks board about just how significant not only this recruiting class is, but when you pair it with who we got in the last cycle and who we already have for the next cycle, that the idea of stacking classes is now a real thing. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. I, I am very curious about what's going to happen with the 2023 class, because right now you have Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton, who, barring any, like, crazy rise through the ranks that they're good but they're not like the high high level that like the Malik and the Jalen Hood Shafinos are but you've got those guys so now you can like swing for the stars we know we're in on guys like Kwame Evans KJ Evans down in Mount Verde also and they're going hard after the Stoyakovich kid apparently although they haven't had him on campus yet and I don't think I don't think Woody saw him the last recruiting stint they did make a couple offers recently, a guy named TJ Power. They just offered another guy, um, I'm blanking on his name, but a, a kid uh, from the East, I think from the DMV area. We made an offer to him. He's an unranked kid that apparently exploded onto the scene in, in June. Shoot. 
yeah, he's a shooter and a scorer, six foot six. Mm-hmm. So they're clearly going after shooting as another role in that 2023 class, which is music to all of our ears. Well, and it was another point that IU and Philly was making about these classes, not just be, you know, mostly top 100, top 80 guys, but also positionally spread out well, right? Like that it's like, oh, it's good balance to each of these classes. Um, and that and that is a recipe for success. It's like if you have a, a ton of stud bigs all coming in together, it's not as helpful if you have like one shooter, one point guard, and you know a three and a five. That's the way you want to roll. And you know when when you look at what Woody and Kenya and Yah now Walsh and um, our guest today, who is going to be involved in all of this, you're like, okay, yeah, no, they're they're starting to build a monster. God, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine if it really is a monster? If just like every year we're getting high four, five-star recruits, and it really is like the beginning of that thing that we have been dying for for so long. By the way, the name of that recruit was Jamie Kaiser Jr. Okay. uh, From the DMV area. But I just, I lie awake at night sometimes just thinking about what if this is, what if this is it? As, As Michael Scott says, it's happening. <laughs> yes. Yes. What oh. if it actually is happening? What well, if it, that 2022 class that's a top 10 class in the country is the harbinger of things to come? What if it is? I mean, well, it's it's easy to get caught up in it because it's been so long. So now that you look and it's like, these are the final composite rankings. And you're like, oh, look at us. We're above every other team in the Big Ten, including Michigan and Illinois, you know, who have had more recent success, deeper tournament success, that kind of stuff. Juwan Howard, you know, besides his tendency for for violence on the court, Mm -hmm, um, you know, has a lot of momentum and cachet. They're like, wow, we we have a better recruiting class than Chris Holtman, you know, like and then you just look, there's just a handful of teams across the entire country that have a better recruiting class than us. And like, well, if this is where we can end up in the rankings, the national rankings, not of recruiting, but of, of actually how good our team is. We're at long last. I mean, because look, it was Cody and Vicks last year that, and, and look, we flirted with it briefly um, in Yogi's, you know, the latter part of Yogi's career, but it never sustained. And we were never number one team in the country. Um, and the wheels really fell off the, 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 that final year where we beat North Carolina, we beat Kansas, and like, here we go, we're a Final Four team. Oh, no. Injuries and complete disaster. So at the very best, we've been teased. Um, but it's been a solid decade since we rightfully felt like a top 10 program. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and so much of it is dependent on Trace coming back. I mean, that's the truth. Like, if he comes back, then all of our dreams and hopes are going to be just put on steroids and we are going to lose our minds. And if he doesn't come back, we're all going to panic and go, how are we going to compete at the high level next year? So no big deal, Trace. No pressure. Hope the combine's (laughs) going great. He is in the combine. That's the big piece of news. The combine started today, I believe, and Trace is there. So, look, the combine runs for about a week. Then there's about a week in between that and having to make the decision if you're coming back to college. So within the next two weeks, we're going to have a really good idea of what the expectation level should be and the hype level should be for this team. Because I am all for, if Trace comes back, hit the hype button. I'm all for it. I am all for it. Well, because even then, 
it's this idea of we have months before we find out how good that team really is. So to just like get the hype going crazy, that's just going to help with recruiting. That's going to help land some 23 guys who are maybe going to make the decision before their senior year. Um, and I, I, I think the power of positivity, it, it, it can only help. And it's just been so negative for so long. It's like, who knows? Maybe the season starts and the wheels falls off and it's a complete disaster. So we better enjoy it while we can. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. I will make this prediction. If Trace doesn't come back, we will get somebody else from the transfer portal. I believe yeah, but not, will... not anybody near as good as Trace. Well, no. I mean, how many are there, right? But we will get an impact player. I believe we will get an impact player who can come in next year and make an impact. I wouldn't go that far, but I don't know who's still out there and still available. But that's well, the interesting thing. There could be there could be more out there, more available after that decision is made. That's my point, that the people that will be available are the ones that are in the trace position that decide not to go to the NBA, that have already declared for the transfer portal and have declared for the NBA process but haven't hired an agent. There will be a handful of those people who come back to college and are in the transfer portal, and I think we will be in good position to win a recruitment like that, and I think we'll get a good player. So you're saying we're getting Keon Brooks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that if trace – goes to the NBA and Keon is available, we will make a play at Keon Brooks. Wouldn't that sure. be crazy? Wouldn't, wouldn't the message I mean, boards just melt down? <laughs> and then and then we go to the final four. Yeah. I mean, and then Keon Brooks has a statue built for him outside of Assembly <laughs> Hall for his one year at Indiana. I mean, it is it is a crazy story, but I do think, like, why not? Why not? So I these next couple weeks are going to be stressful. I mean, they're going to be stressful. I can imagine what they are for like the coaching staff, because so much of your plans and just like, how are you going to construct this team changes drastically if Trace comes back or if he doesn't. I mean, it really does. Well, the offense runs through him. As we've heard, while there was so much focus on defense last year to just get the team in a position where they could compete every night, night in and night out, on the road, at home, that there is a, a renewed or let's say a, a first-time emphasis on offense being out front in this offseason for a lot of players. But, you know, I'm imagining they already have to be looking at it like, well, this is we're going to run more of the same, but hopefully better and uh, with more wrinkles in it. If if Trace comes back, if he doesn't, they have to have like a kind of a, 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 a let's start from scratch plan B. Yeah. I mean, I do think a little bit of it depends on do they get another transfer to come in? And is that person like a primary offensive player? But yeah, I mean, it's look, the good news is we do have two players next year and Xavier and Jalen that can get to the bucket. Like yep. you have two guys who can create for themselves or for others. And last year we had one guy who could do that. So in Xavier. So I do think that helps you that that keeps some defenses honest in a way or puts pressure on defenses in a way that we did not have last year. Well, and I, I think it could be interesting depending on who's available in the portal. If they're like, you know what? All right. Now we're going to go ahead and jump, jump ahead to where we want to be with much more four out one in, whether it's race uh, Malik comes along um, even, even Logan being able to get in there, all those guys more as a, a, a smaller or a faster five than four more guys out on the perimeter. If you could get somebody in the portal who's smaller, but can really shoot from the outside, as opposed to just trying to find the, the, the approximate 
trace prototype, you could see a very different offense from from the jump. But at least they'll know in a couple of weeks what they're working with and still have the summer and the fall to implement whatever it's going to be. That's uh, I agree. Uh, real quick NBA thing. There's four teams left in the NBA. Three of them have strong IU connections. Yes. Boston Celtics. Jawan Morgan is on the team and actually got into the game, got into that game seven at the end. Uh, Victor Oladipo has rehabbed himself and become a key member of this Miami Heat run. And they're oftentimes at the in closing time and winning time at the end of games. Victor is in those games. So yeah. he's become an important cog. He's part and then of the you got ABC Mark Cuban. crew. What what'd you say? I say, yeah, Vic's become a part of the ABC crew. What's the ABC crew? Always be closing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I you like love that. the Glenn Gary. I do. I like it. And then, of course, you have the Dallas Mavericks who stunned the Phoenix Suns, and Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm rooting for one of those three teams to win the NBA championship. (laughs) That's what I'm rooting for, just to have a little Indiana love. I I appreciate that. I I don't think I could go for the Celtics over the Warriors. I just enjoy the Warriors' style of play too much. Uh, If if Juwan was, like, starting, it'd be a different story. Uh, I know, but but he does get a ring if they win, which is cool. That is cool. That is cool. Um, would you root for the Heat over? Would you root for the Heat over the Warriors? I think so because I do. I like the Heat culture. I like what they're all about. And ultimately, you know, Vic. Um, I, I as as I think we discussed this before recently. As much as I didn't like everything and how it went down with the Pacers. Ultimately, he's an Indiana Hoosier. You know, he's come back to IU. His name's on the locker room at IU. It looks good for IU if he's doing well in the NBA. And I feel bad for anybody who, like, potentially cost themselves $100 million. Um, And and injury was the reason. It wasn't like he was just, you know, uh, did something horrible or broke the law or was just a bad human being. Uh, he just had some real bad luck. So I'd like to see him um, come back out on top. Yeah, it's a shame because he's one of those cases right now where he bet on himself constantly and it didn't work out right now up until this point. But the way he's played, he's a free agent after this year. Mm -hmm. He has worked himself into probably a mega contract from somebody. As long as, however the rest of this season plays out, as long as he doesn't get injured, again and and still is productive i gotta think somebody's gonna sign him for a lot of money so i'm happy for him i'm really happy for him and that game last night the maverick Suns. did you watch any of that i did not my my dvr is broken so i'm getting a new box from direct tv tomorrow and i'm i, I basically haven't been able to watch any games for a week mm, well you know what happened in the game no dallas w- was up in the game by 50 points at some, at one point Five zero, yeah, or 45, 46. Yeah, I saw I saw a picture of Luca smiling, but I didn't know it was from like the second quarter. They were up by twenty, I think twenty five in the first half. It was wow. over first quarter. The game was over. Crazy. It was remarkable. I mean, Phoenix at one point midway through the third quarter, Phoenix had thirty five points. Is is Booker all the way back? Is he yeah. completely recovered? He just couldn't hit a shot. He couldn't Crazy. hit a shot. Chris Kentucky. Paul couldn't hit a shot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Kentucky choking. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it was really nuts. But it, And then you get a lot of talking heads like Stephen A. Smith going after Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They didn't show up. Like, Look, you think those guys didn't want to play hard in Game 7 at home to go to the Western Conference Finals? Of course they did. I listened to Shaq, and I totally agree with what Shaq said. He was like, 
it was one of those days. Like Dallas played out of their mind and hit everything. Luca was hitting threes that were crazy in the first quarter. Phoenix could hit nothing at all. I mean, wide open shots weren't going in. And Shaq was like, look, there were days where he was so funny. He goes, there were days where my jump hook wasn't going down. There were days the drop step wasn't going down. And you knew the free throws weren't going down. <laughs> like, And every once in a while, he's like, I had a lot of those days. Sometimes it's just one of those days. And that's what it was. It was one of those days where everything went right for Dallas. Everything went wrong for Phoenix. And there were extenuating circumstances, of course. But IU had one of those games against St. Mary's where yes. Yes. we did everything badly. They did everything very well. And even the St. Mary's coach was like, wow, that we did not get the best of what IU has to offer. And it is, that's, that's sports. And that's why you, you got to tune in and see what actually happens. Cause you never know. And one of the things you never know is who might be returning to Indiana university to be part of Mike Woodson's staff and Holy hell, were we happy about the latest announcement? So what do you say we get to our guest? I think Everybody was happy as hell at this announcement, and everybody wishes we'd just shut the hell up and get to this guest. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, well, he's been on the show before, but circumstances have changed. Let's just say the prodigal son is coming home. Eric, who do we have on the show again today? Well, we've done this intro before, but we're going to do it again because he deserves it because it all oh just God. helps set the stage. We are talking to a gentleman who hails from Bloomington, Indiana, where he attended Bloomington South and led them to a state championship. Along the way, he won Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana in 2009. Of course, he matriculated at Indiana University where all he did at Indiana University was become a 44.2% career three-point shooter. His worst year shooting threes, by the way, was 40.2%. He made 254 career threes. Third all-time in threes made only behind A.J. Guyton and Yogi Ferrell. Not bad names to be in the company of. And fourth all-time in three-point percentage. And you may ask, who are the three above him? Well, Steve Alford, who only did it for one year. One year. Jay Edwards, who only did it for two years. Two years. And Pat Graham, who did it for parts of four years. None of them had anywhere near the number of made threes as Jordan. Oh, I said his name. I shouldn't oh. have said it. <laughs> as our as our guest, because I just blew the surprise. He is the 29th all-time scorer. He is 12th all-time in assists. He's a career 86% free throw shooter. He was ninth in the country in true shooting percentage in his junior year. Third team academic All-American. Helped lead Indiana back to the promised land in winning a Big Ten championship. The number one seed in the tournament. Two sweet 16s. He then went on to a professional career that's been very successful in Europe. He is currently playing for his German team, which we will get into. But the reason he's back on this show is because he most recently accepted a position on Mike Woodson's staff as team and recruiting coordinator. My God, he's back. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Jordan Halls. Wow, what, a, what an intro. How do I, how do I combat that? Well, we're going to do our best. You're a pro. You're a pro. <laughs> yeah. Thank, well, hey, thanks, he literally, thanks for having me. He just copy and pasted the last one he did for you and then just added a couple lines. Yeah, that, that's true. That is absolutely Not much has changed true. for me, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, no. A lot has changed. Yes. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Indiana University Men's Basketball Program proper. 
How are you feeling in the wake of this news? What is, is it real yet? Is it surreal? Where are you at? Yeah. I mean, it's a mix of emotions for sure. Like, um, it's a dream come true to come back to Bloomington to, to work, to be on the Indiana basketball staff. Like as a kid growing up, yeah, I want to play there. And then as you get older, you're like, well, what else can I do at Indiana? Uh, I could work there. Um, so that, you know, that's really cool. Uh, it's super exciting for me and my family. Of course, it's difficult, um, to hang up, hang up the shoes, you know, that's going to be very, very hard. Um, but if there was anything that was going to make me retire early and I fully intended on playing a couple more years, um, you know, cause I'm playing at a high level. I feel good. You know, my family's very comfortable here. If there's anything that was going to make me do that, it'd be coming home to be on Indiana basketball staff. So for me and my family, for this opportunity to be here it is really, really special. And I'm, I'm just couldn't be any more excited. So let's start with where you are right now, because <clears throat> you're not in Bloomington. So <laughs> no. where are you right now? What is the current status of, of your career? And when mm. will you be in Bloomington? Right. So um, I'm in Germany, Ludwig, Ludwigsburg, Germany. Um, this is my second year for this team, six overall in Germany, ninth overall in Europe uh, as my pro career. And um, my season is still going on. We actually start the playoffs tomorrow. Uh, the first game of the playoffs is tomorrow. Um, so we can either win nine games and win all, or we can go 15 games, five game series, or we can get swept in the first, you know, whatever can happen. Uh, but for me right now, it's just focusing on finishing as strong as possible. The, you know, the counting down the days of my playing career being over, but just making the most of it, enjoying every moment, you know, having fun with the guys, you know, and just going to go out there and play as hard as I can approach it. like I do all my other games, but um, that's where I'm at right now. We just finished the final four. Uh, we were in Bilbao, Spain last week uh, in the international competition, the basketball champions league. Um, we placed third there, which was a great accomplishment. So, for me individually, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to go out on a high note um, at a high level. The game didn't make me retire. I didn't have to retire because I was bad. And, you know, I get beat on defense because I'm slower than everybody sometimes <laughs> anyway. But it wasn't to a point to where it was, you know, you know, he's got to quit basketball. Now. So for me to, you know, step away from the game uh, in that regard is really special to me as well. Because, uh, yeah, I just feel like if. If I was going to do it, I'm going to do it to come home. And so we can be around my parents, my in-laws. The kids can get acclimated to come back to, to American school and all that good stuff. So it's it's coming full circle. Well, well you did say that <clears throat> you weren't expecting this. Like you, you had envisioned a couple more years of playing basketball. And mm. you've been playing, playing competitive basketball probably since before you can remember. You know, yeah. we're, we're talking, we're, we're pushing like 25 plus years. So I, I guess I, can you just take us through the whole, the, the process of you realizing there was an opportunity uh, and, and then actually that opportunity being presented, like, this is a real thing, Jordy, we, we want mm -hmm. you here to the decision with your family. Like, can you just take us through step-by-step step how it went down? Yeah. So, um, it's funny because the day before I found out like there was some mutual interest and in, or at least seeing if I would even be interested in pursuing this and going through the whole process, my wife and I were sitting in bed like, what are we going to do when you're done playing? Like, are we going to play one more year, two more years, three years? I've always said play until the wheels fall off, you know, like, let's just do that. We'll figure it out later. I'm more easygoing. My wife is more like, oh, we need to figure out what the heck we're doing. How are we going to make money to support three kids? 
we'll figure we'll figure it out it's it's okay um but it's funny because we were talking about that and literally the next day I, I get a text and it's like okay um you know this position opened up is this something that you'd be interested in um and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd be interested in doing that. If there's going to be anything for me to even consider, something like this would be that that thing. So the whole process go on. You know, the coaching staff's very busy during this time. Um, this is all going on. And I'm busy with my season. So, like, things are going. And I'm just trying to, like, prep myself, you know, calling certain people, trying to do as much research as I can just to, you know, get a feel for the job and what it, what it entails, first of all. Um, how I would fit in that job, uh, what I think I can bring to that job, but more importantly, just, you know, what would translate to what I've been doing um, that can really help the program. Cause that's what I'm, that's what I've always been about. Just helping the program, help get it to the next level, the next level. And coach Woodson and the staff has been, you know, so great to me just in the short amount of time of this whole process and, you know, reassuring me. And, you know, I know it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be different for me. Um, but I've never been afraid of the work and that was, you know, part of my thing, you know, this is, this is what I do. I work hard. I know everybody works hard, but I've always had to prove myself and I'm really looking forward to that challenge and, and getting in there and showing what I can do. But also I, I'm most excited about learning. You know, I just want to learn this side of the game. It's way different than when you're playing than when you're on the sidelines. And as I've gotten older as a point guard, you kind of, you kind of start thinking that way anyway. How, how do you prepare for this game? Or I've always approached the game that way, I guess, anyway. But um, I'm really excited to get get back home after I finish strong here, of course, um, and, and see what this is all about because this is a special opportunity um, for me and my family. I, I could have played two, two more, three more years and this opportunity be gone, and then maybe it's never there again. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, I think it's, you know, logically, <laughs> just thinking if I can – be here and help my family out for the next 10, 15 years, whatever it is, or wherever this thing takes me. Um, and I'm just excited to be able to come back home and be part of this stuff. So who was the person <laughs> who reached out to you first? Um, it was, uh, um, uh, how do I, I don't know if I, I can, you I can, can say can what's there's no <laughs> secrets. <laughs> um, <laughs> no secret. It was a, a, a mutual acquaintance. Um, that I've known, you know, my whole life. And it's just kind of parlayed that way. And just to see if, uh, you know, this would be something I'd even be interested. I'm not going to throw out names. I'm not okay. All right. But, uh, but it was like a middleman, uh, somebody not yeah. in the program, but knows program people and knows you. Yeah, perhaps let's just say that. Um, okay. Who's a and, no, I wouldn't say that even, but, um, you know, it, it was really cool to get that just to, to see, you know, okay. Um, this is this job is open and if I would want to pursue it like these are the steps you need to take in order to do that obviously I'm not the only person so I need to uh, do my do my research and go out and you know try and get the job did you so, or have you talked to Brian Walsh who previously held the position to get a feel for obviously he did it so well that coach Woodson made him a part of the coaching staff <laughs> yeah I mean he, he's he's a great guy I've known him you know over the years just being at Bloomington um, and then when Derek Elston was on staff a while back, uh, you know, Derek's one of my best friends and that's how we first met. Um, and, you know, I'm back in Bloomington in the summers anyway, so I'm trying to to be in the gym and work out on my own and meet who who's ever in there. Um, so I met Brian that way a while back and he's been super helpful. Just, you know, I had lots of questions about what the job entailed and what was expected of me and, you know, how can I be the best at this job as possible to help 
you know, coach from Coach Woods into the assistant coaches to the managers to the, you know, the Doba, whoever's in the office. I, I want to be in there and try and do as, as best as I can. Um, so it was a huge help in that, um, reaching out to him and, um, you know, reaching out to, to the assistant coaches as well, as well, just trying to figure out, you know, again, how can I help you guys as, as best as possible and what can I use that I've gained from the, my experiences through playing and meeting certain people? Um, how can I bring that to us and help us uh, grow? Let, let's start with <clears throat> what is the job? I think that, you know, we read team and recruiting coordinator and we're like, oh, okay. And everybody just kind of moves on. And most of us have no clue what that actually means. So as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, as far as what, I know, I, I haven't been there. So right. There could be- but what what do you think the job is? What has been communicated to you as your primary responsibilities? Um, I think it's a it's a mixture of things. You know, I'm again, I'm just trying to do whatever I can in the office. that's going to make the job easier for the assistant coaches and Coach Woodson. But also, I want to be, um, be there for the players if they ever need anything. Uh, I, I'm going to be recruiting guys. I'm going to be um, trying to get guys on campus and, you know, being in charge of scheduling and um, those kind of visits and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, not to just, you know, be boring and go into a bunch of details, I guess, but um, get, I have to be very organized with that, get those guys on campus. And uh, I'm going to be helping with, you know, certain things on the basketball court. Again, I'm not quite sure what I can and can't do there right. um, until I get on campus. I'm not, hundred percent sure. So I'm not going to say I can do this one really. Maybe I can't, Um, but I'm going to be, if I'm able to, to, to do things on the court, you know, great. If not, then that's, that's also great as well. I'm just going to do my job to the best of my ability. I'm going to learn a whole lot more when I do get back. I think that's, what's making this unique is because I'm still over here. I'm trying to learn as much as I can virtually and get prepared for what's to come. But um, the timing of things has been a little, a little different um and scheduling and you know again i'm over here playing so uh, i i do respect that i'm able to try and finish my playing career as best as i can and then once i do get home i'm going to be obviously fully focused on, on that and what i can be doing one thing we heard <clears throat> coming out of the the news besides just all the cheering the yelling the celebration <laughs> coming from bloomington was that you're a, a popular dude amongst AAU coaches, coaches around <clears throat> the state of Indiana. And I, I get it from your playing days, you know, playing AAU, being a, an Indiana and an IU legend. But how has what you've been doing when you're going back uh, during the summers when you're not in Europe, how have you been able to maintain your your reputation or even, even grow it since you left IU? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my dad told me from a very, like, you never know who you're going to meet. So it's very important to network and just, you know, make sure you, you're never blowing anybody off. You, you don't know who that's, this person knows. Um, so I've been very, very um, adamant about that. Every time I'm back in the summertime, whether I'm training an eight-year-old kid or a kid who's, you know, in high school, you know, I'm, I'm doing my very best with that each individual kid. So I think with my JH1 business um, that I've been able to build the last nine years, um, I did a lot of camps in the beginning and then it kind of tailored into individualized training. And then I've even had some AAU teams. I don't have as many this year. I have like one team in Indianapolis and a couple younger girls teams in Bloomington right now. Um, but I think that's just been a great way for me to connect throughout the state. Um, you know, I've done travel clinics where I go and meet the various high school coaches or, you know, whether it's connecting through them through different platforms, um, uh, basketball platforms as like other podcasts or whatever where I do zoom calls and you know I've been able to kind of network that way and like you said my name 
kind of still holds weight in the state, just being Mr. Basketball and the career that I had in high school and then obviously playing at Indiana. Um, I think that's going to be a great advantage for me where I can, you know, I kind of know the lay of the land, I would say. And Indiana, a lot has changed in high school basketball too since I've played, but um, I think I've done a good job over the years just maintaining those relationships. And I know, you know, business or basketball, whatever it is, relationships are very important. Um, and building those relationships, whether it be recruits or parents or high school coaches, just to, you know, let you know they're on your side and um, tell them all about the good things that Indiana is about to do. You know, that's very exciting for me because I'm so passionate about, you know, the program and it's all I've ever known my whole life. So I think it, it's kind of really cool for me to take that side of things. I kind of did it as a player too um, when I was at Indiana. And even when I'm over here, I have to re recruit guys to various teams and, you know, um, give them my two cents, uh, so to speak. So uh, I'm very excited for, for that opportunity to use those it's kind of all just built up together and it's, it's oh wow this is this is cool i know this guy i know this um and, and i'm excited to to get that going and see what that really looks like is it weird at all for you thinking <clears throat> about the fact that when you left indiana as a player you know you you left pretty much on top you know winning the big 10 championship number one team in the country number one seed it seemed like we were back and basically everyone that was involved in that staff is no longer here. We still have Dr. Rink and Tim Garl and Dr. Allfeld, you know, that are guys that have been around the program a long time, but it is a totally new Indiana, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. assembly hall is different than when you played there because of the renovations. Mm -hmm. Was it at all, was there any, and, and this isn't negative, but was there any reluctance on your part to just like, Oh, I wonder how I'm going to fit in with these guys. Was that like an important thing for you did you have to have conversations with kenya and yad just to kind of get a sense of personality fit for sure i think uh no matter what job you, you want to know kind of what you're getting into and if this is going to be for me because for me this is completely life-changing you know it's we've only known living in europe and playing basketball and like kids are speaking german They're like this is our life this is all we've known so for us to step away for me as a father and a husband and you know provider i need to make sure that as great as coming back to IU would be, I need to make sure like, you know, this is for me and for my family and this is the right time. And all those pieces fell into place. You know, I, like I said, I did my research. I tried to do my homework and just reach out and figure out certain things. Um, and every person I talked to was just outstanding, like super helpful, all things that, you know, I know getting into this, I'm going to need that kind of support. Um, just completely, like I said, career change and getting into this, this crazy game of college basketball, you know, I'm really excited about that opportunity with great people, great staff. And again, the learning aspect to me is just what I'm really excited about. Uh, I love learning the game. Um, for, you know, it's been playing the game now to actually coach different ways is, is really special um, for us, but it's uh, yeah, it's been full circle for me. And um, I really appreciate everybody who did help me realize like, this is an awesome, awesome opportunity that I, you know, I just could not pass up or, um, you know, I'm definitely not going to take it for granted. I'm going to work my tail off and they know that. Let's, let's talk <laughs> about your new boss, coach Mike Woodson. Um, what, what kind of relationship, if any, did you have with him prior to this? And I'm assuming you, you had at least some conversation or, or back and forth as you were hired, ultimately it's mm -hmm. his decision. Um, and did he convey why, why he thinks you're the right guy for this very important job. Yeah. I mean, I had met him for the first time last summer uh, when I was in there working out, me and Anthony uh, were getting some shots up and working out as much as we could. 
um, with our scheduling and stuff like that. So it was really nice to meet him. I've only heard great things. Every person I've talked to, um, you know, whether it was last year when he first, or yeah, when he first got the job, uh, the previous years and, or until now, it's always been the same, you know, very consistent, um, you know, loyal, he's very hardworking, you know, great guy to be around those kind of things. And obviously that's when you go to work, that, that's, that's awesome. You know, you're going to work hard. You're going to be around great people trying to push you and be better. And that's really all I could ask for. And, um, you know, the rapport and the just different conversations that we've gotten to have, it, it's very reassuring. Again, I know my work is cut out for me. I know, um, that I have to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> I know that <laughs> I got to do my job. Uh, but again, it, I, you know, I'm very eager to get back and, and do that because I'm so passionate about getting the program back to where it is going. And, you know, I, I really appreciate him giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, I think he could feel, you know, through the conversations, whether it's coach Woodson or the other coaches, they could feel my energy, my passion for it. You know, I just, you know, I just get going and I just start talking about it. Um, and maybe that was a good thing. I don't know. Maybe I think I'm crazy. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, uh, I am a little crazy. That's for sure. But in a good way, you'll fit right in. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Was, um, we've heard a lot about how good coach Woody is at closing recruitments. And clearly there's been some big ones lately, you know, uh, a couple four and five stars that are coming in some, some top 35 recruits. Could you get any sense of that when you were talking to him about this job? Was there any part of him that was trying to close you and convince you that this was the right thing for you? Or was it really more of you convincing them that you can do this job? Um, I, I think it was more, you know, I, I asked the questions or, or whatever. He asked me the questions and um, we just kind of wanted to be on the same page as to what was expected. And those, um, I wouldn't say, he was trying to convince me that this was for the job is more, I was pitching, you know, what I think I could bring and with my different connections throughout the state and what I've done in the past and my career, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was probably more of it, but, um, it, you know, it was a great conversation because he was straight up, you, you know, what is expected of you. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good with me. And, uh, I know, I know Brian did such a great job, um, with, in this position, and, and him still being there is going to be a huge help uh, if I ever have, you know, need to throw a question at him or whatever. And I know the rest of the staff in the office, aside from the coaches, are, are doing a great job and know what the heck is going on. So if I ever um, need to help, I, I know I have people who have my back and they know I'm going to work hard. So uh, I'm really excited about that. It's like anytime you mess up, Walsh will just be like, well, when I was recruiting coordinator. <laughs> what I what I did. I'm going to have to find a way to like like sneakily ask him, but yes. he, I think he's going to be too smart for that. So, no, I, um, I'm, I'm pumped. Look, you know this because of your background and because of where you're from, but clearly Indiana fans love it when Indiana kids come and play at Indiana. Now, obviously, they got to be good enough. It can't just be any kid, but obviously there's a great relationship with the fan base and Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway, you know, a lot for that reason. Same with Rob Finnessy. There was a great relationship because of that. There's no one on this staff on the assistant coach uh, ranks that is from Indiana. Coach Walsh, obviously, is Midwest guy and has done a lot, especially in the Ohio area. But Kenya seems to be a guy who is a national recruiter, really focused on like the DMV and has done really well in Florida with the prep programs. Coach Yaz got great ties to the Southeast, but there does seem to be a little bit of a hole for Indiana. And then here comes Jordan Hulls. 
uh, which, you know, Ward kind of went through your, your reputation precedes you, but was that part of the conversation uh, in, in your conversations with coach Woody and the assistance of like, we want you to focus on Indiana. That's, that's where you're from. You have a lot of connections there mm-hmm. that, that this is a focus for you. Yeah, definitely. I think um, being able to recruit the state, you know, is, is very important. Like you said, the fans really, we really love that, but he also has to be good enough um, to play at the beginning. Nobody thought I was good enough either though. So. Uh, well, it's, it's also, Tom Crean did. And Tom Crean, coach Crean definitely did. And, um, you know, I, I thank him for that, but uh, that, it's, it's definitely part was part of that because like I, like we just talked about the different connections I have throughout the state um, through my business, through, you know, the, the Adidas circuit, all, all, all sorts of things that I, I've been able to do the last nine, nine years um, since not playing at Indiana anymore. And even when I did play at Indiana, I thought I, I thought I met a lot of people along the way too, um, you know, through passing everybody, you guys are crazy, right? So you're going to come up and shake my hand and then, uh, <laughs> And uh, so I, I think I did a good job with that as well. Um, and By the way, we now know the only reason you talk to us is because of the lesson your dad gave you. You just never know, son. So yeah, you just if, never know. If two middle-aged idiots from California ever contact you, just be nice to them because they're special. They're special. Just let them down and easy. You just, know. you know. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, just, you know, oh, well, I can't. Okay. Right. No. Exactly. Uh, just be kind. Just be kind. Just um, be kind. <clears throat> Go ahead, Ward. Uh, speaking of your father, your family, like how much were they trying to be like objective with you and decide if this is like a really good thing for your career? And how much were they just like, yes, 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 please, take the please, job? Please. I'd be lying to you. I mean, they they would never do that. But I'm sure when right when I hung up the phone, <laughs> they were talking to each other and calling the in-laws like he's got to try it. He's, I mean, please just get this job. Don't screw up the interview. Don't mess this up. Um, you know, everybody's very excited and as they should be, they, they don't see their grandkids for, you know, 10, 11 months of the year. My kids are growing up so fast and, and for us to, you know, be back, not only in Indiana, just living actually on Indiana basketball staff, that's pretty special for, for, for our family. Who's diehard Hoosier fans. And we always have been my whole life. Uh, but just to, like we've talked about, just full circle for me. Kid going to going to Hoosier Hysteria, get to come and play at Indiana. Now, ten years later, it's going to be on the coaching staff. You know, it, it's really exciting for my family, and and I'm excited for my kids too because they're at an age where you know they're five, three, and one and a half. This is very important time, I think, too, where they're still getting molded, and and um, you know they're going to get to go see them play baseball and basketball games and stuff. Like that. That's just really exciting to me to be able to come home and. It's the right time. Walk us, if you can, uh, through the moment where the job was officially offered to you. Like, was there a moment where someone called you and said, okay, this is it. Like, we want you. Do you accept? What was that moment? And and walk us through that moment. And then who was your first phone call after that moment? Yeah, so um, I had actually – I had a game and – uh, I was coming back on the road and I didn't get home till like one in the morning or something, my time. And, um, you know, I got a call, you know, a, a group call with, with some of the coaches and they're like, you know, you're coming home. And for me and my wife, I mean, my wife just started breaking down crying 
and yes. you know i'm i'm like in shock i'm like wait what are you sure okay okay i, I didn't mess up the interview okay awesome <laughs> uh, you know it was very very exciting very humbling you know super thankful for for them to consider me first of all but also to to think that i'm i'm qualified for the job and you know uh that that, that was really special to me and then um i called one of my my parents and then i called my mentor and then from then on it, we kind of like slowly let it let it come because then i had to still play my final four and a lot of different things came up where we didn't announce it right away or anything like that but um it was a really cool moment that we'll remember for the rest of our life is your wife directly to your right is she yeah, right there? sorry am i looking at i look i want to see her i want to <laughs> see her and say hello <clears throat> you want to say hello yeah, sure. okay you can just talk if you don't want oh there she is hello. hi there are you excited to be coming home are you excited to be coming home? I have my ear. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Super excited. We're excited to have you back. Um, so obviously you've still got to uh prepare for your basketball games as a player. You said you've been trying to learn stuff over Zoom remotely to get yourself prepared. Um, I wonder, are you now like the rest of us, like on pigs reading like Jeff what Jeff Rabjohns is saying about hey. like twenty twenty five recruits? Hey, I'm telling you what, when I, even with this first started, like, oh, this is a possibility. I was on Twitter. I was on every single thing. I was writing names down. Like, I was like, I have to be, I have to know. I have to prepare. I was like, I was going crazy, which I, that's a good thing that I'm that eager and hungry yes. to, to learn. But um, I, I'm for sure just because there's only so much I can do not being home. So I'm, you know, if a new guy comes up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write his name down. I got to see who else. And I'm trying to do my own, like going through my head, like, okay, I have this teammate who played in this state. So maybe he knows, you know, I'm going through the, the, the spider web and the black hole, just trying to figure out what the heck um, person I can contact to, to see, get these, these young, good kids. Well, have you been hearing from some of those, all the different contacts you've made, the friends, the teammates, the coaches, the mentors, I'm assuming since the news broke, you've had a lot of people not only reach out to congratulate you, but also to ask how how can we help. For sure, it's it's uh, it's very humbling to see like how many people actually did reach out to say congratulations, or if you ever need anything like you know here's this or here's that. Um, that that was really special. And I think that's just a testament to building those relationships and what I truly believe in. It's kind of to my core, just treat people the right way and it's going to be reciprocated. Right. Um, so for me to get all those, those texts and uh, whether it's different high school coaches, I'm like, Hey, so now, you know, what is happening? We need to make sure we're on the same page and, and doing yes. all these kind of things. And uh, you know, that, that's really, that's really awesome. There have been so many shout outs to you from former teammates, former players at Indiana, and and other basketball dignitaries, what what has been the coolest one for you personally to see, whether it's on Twitter or something we didn't see? Who's been mm-hmm. the coolest person to reach out and just say congrats? But besides Hoosier uh, Hysterics Twitter, yeah, besides, besides you guys, of course, and my my family who kind of had just has to say congratulations. Yeah. Um, I thought when Dickie V, uh, that was kind of unexpected. Though you know, it was very kind what he had to say. Um, like he even cared about what I was doing, you know, that was, that was really cool. And especially with what he's been going through and for, for him to be down on his mind, that was really special to me. Um, Coach Crean um, reached out a lot of other coaches, um, teammates, of course, they were super happy for me. Just 
they're all kind of like you're you're retiring you're done playing and i was like yeah this is i kind of have to be now but i guess i can play at the hyper the the rec leagues now um she's shoot some threes there but uh yeah it, it's been really humbling for for all those congratulations i guess and um but more importantly i think my family is has been over the moon they're trying to show it as much but like people are like i know they're just so emotional about it and so happy that it's happening that they get to see my kid probably just more so they can see my kids not yeah yep. i know your parents they, kids, don't, they don't care about don't. you anymore i it's live right over. next door to my parents we have the house right next door so they don't care yeah they just want the kids they want the kids <clears throat> um i have just a technical question your aau connections do you have to give those up so that's what we're as we're doing all this paperwork and stuff those are different um avenues that we have to keep exploring as to you know if they're a certain age i know there's rules on um prospect age and, and those kind of things so th- that pa- that paperwork's still being filled out i don't think if they're certain if they're below that then i don't think as long as i'm not coaching then i again like this is all what sure. i tried to gather no, from i get my, it i get it we're not gonna hold not don't worry jordy this is nothing this is official. not a court of law this is okay. not a court of law um, <laughs> thank god so, thank yeah, god goodness. That would be bad. Yeah. Um, it would just be uh, one mistrial after another. Exactly. Um, that's that's something that was one of my first questions. So what does this mean for my JH1 and what roads do I have to go down to? One, do I have to like, just transfer over ownership or can I keep it and just not be involved? So those are all still being figured out, but hey. I made sure I was up front with all the, the if, people that like this is happening. So if you need a shell company, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want to transfer ownership, we got you, baby. We got you. I can, sell, can I sell it to you? Is that how it works? We would be it. happy to purchase it from you. We would be happy. We'll, we'll oh, negotiate. We'll slide a number across the table. That it'll that'll be that'll be really good. Look, are um, you going to coach it too? Oh, nobody it? wants oh, no. that. Nobody. No. That's the value would plummet. I don't want to get into it, but I'm not allowed within a hundred yards of kids under the age of 15 that I'm not related oh to. I don't want to oh get into goodness. it. I don't want to get into it. Um, Jordy, when you, I, I have a feeling you're the kind of guy who says, <clears throat> this is my job. I'm the team and recruiting coordinator. And that's all I'm doing and thinking about. And I'm focused on that every day, day to day. But we have talked before. We've talked about that idea of, of, of coaching in the more traditional sense being a a long-term aspiration. Do you look at this as, oh, well, this is a logical uh, foot in the door to eventually uh, more of a a coaching career, or is it more like, let's do this and see where it leads? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I've always wanted to coach. I think, you know, from a, even from high school, I think, my father was a coach. My grandfather was a coach. I think it's just kind of in my nature and as a point guard, like to, to do that. And that's something I'm obviously very interested in or else, or else I would just be like, no, I'm just going to do my training stuff and, you know, do that. It's definitely what I want to do. I, I want to coach. I love instructing the game. I really learned that through my JH1 training and, and those different things that I had to do at camps. And even when I did camps at IU, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. How can I connect with this kid? as opposed to this kid, how do they learn? You know, I had to do that with teammates too. Everybody learns differently or connect. Um, 
that's for sure. That's, that's something that I, I'm really um, looking forward to, but I have so much, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm ready to be a coach. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, this is a great opportunity for me to learn from coach Woodson and the staff. Cause they've been it, been in it for a long time. They know how it works. They know the ins and outs of it. And for me, I've just been a player. Of course, I know a lot about basketball that I think, but it's this is completely different for me. So I'm really looking at it as, yes, I get to come home. I get a great opportunity to be the you know team and recruiting coordinator. Like that's my job. That's what I'm focused on, like you said. Um, but it's also a great opportunity for me to learn about what it takes to be a coach at this level. And I couldn't be doing it with a group, a better group of guys, I don't think at this stage of my life, um, you know, I'm 32 still, I'm, I'm very young, um, but I have a lot to prove. And, you know, that's exciting to me because that's what I've always had to do. Um, I, I am excited to share just the different basketball knowledge that I think I do have and what I can share from my experiences and then add to that from what um, the rest of the coaching staff is going to bring to me. You know, a, a basketball question. I think a lot of people look at like current <clears throat> basketball and, and the trends of current basketball and trace it back to really Steph Curry and what the Warriors uh, have done over the last many years as far as being like five out and playing with Draymond Green as the center small ball. But the truth is <clears throat> a lot of that, and you can even trace it back probably to Mike D'Antoni before that, you know, with what he did nice. with the Suns. Yeah. A lot of that came from the international game. You know, the international game was always set up the lane was the trapezoid, you know, to create more spacing, but it was much more of a skill game than it was more than a, than a plotting game, the way the NBA was like in the eighties. Um, do you think that just kind of being in international ball and playing in that style and seeing that uh, is going to help you in some way in just kind of seeing how the game is evolved in the college level? Definitely. I think um, the more, as years go on, you see more and more European guys coming to play college and play in the NBA over. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's way more Europeans playing in the NBA now than there were, I'd say, 10 years ago. Totally. I, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but that'd be my my assumption. You look at Luka Doncic, the, the last, what, six years of MVPs have been all international. Um, is that guys, true? I think, That's crazy. I believe, right? Giannis, Jokic, and uh, one of the year before. I don't maybe know. Jokic has got two years. Giannis yeah, two, had and then Giannis had two. And then, I don't know who was no, before. Maybe it's just the last four years. And then you look at Luka Doncic. Um, yeah, who clearly know, could anyway. be an MVP. Yeah. Yeah. So any, anyway, the game for sure has been um, – it's been eye-opening um, for me, and I think what's been really good about, I guess, my mindset is that each year I have a different coach or a different style of play. Um, there's the European style, yes, but there's all sorts of different strategies and – um, you know, tendencies and, and things of that nature. And I think after the last nine years, that's something that I can really translate over to how I see different things on the court, um, whether that's, you know, telling this guy on on uh, defense or offense or, or the pick and roll reads. Uh, it's different than the NBA. The NBA, it's so open, pick and roll reads. Um, the college game is a little bit more compact. And, you know, but, you know, I'm rambling here, but that, that's exactly the point is because there's so many different options that, you can take from this game and, and apply it back into the college game. Well, you mentioned there's more European players playing in college too. I do wonder with your mad networking skills, <clears throat> I mean, has that been a discussion? Is that something you're thinking about? How can you 
take what must be many connections throughout Europe now and mm-hmm. and utilize those for recruiting players to Indiana University? For sure. I mean, again, once I get on campus and I get a feel for like what kind of, you know, guys we're trying to recruit or, you know, this, we need a shooter, you know, whatever. The, yeah, just yeah, stop there. Yes. Just stop there. Yeah. All yes. right. <laughs> just there. That's not, you no, you that's hit not, it. You're right. That that's exactly no, it. No, you're, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was just specifically saying. Yeah, you know, exactly what, what we need. <laughs> the coaches are saying, hey, you need to try and get this guy, this kind of player. Okay. My point being is yes. that, yes internationally like I, I have made different connections and if that's an avenue that we're looking for i can you know pick up the phone and, and call a couple guys and see if they know anybody uh or anything like that. that's i definitely thought about that um and again certain teammates that i've had that are from different states or you know I, I have a guy on my team right now he's 40 he's 40 years old really good player still unbelievable played at the highest level in europe uh, but he has like a 15 year old son and they live in vegas so there's a connection in vegas he has a good you know, over there or some guy in, in Florida or in Boston or, or whatever. Um, these are all things that go through my, my head. Now, again, whether or not that's what I'm going to be used for or what is wanted for me, I don't know. But of course, I, I'm trying to think of any scenario that I can do just to help. Are you um, nervous? <clears throat> I mean, this is your my- first desk job, you know, like this is <laughs> a this is a nine to five job, you know, even though it's not nine to five, it's, it's all the time. This is, this is a, uh, you know, this is a business world job in a way, and you've been an Mm -hmm. athlete. Uh, Were you nervous going through the process, the interview process? Did you get butterflies in your stomach before you talked to coach Woody? And are you nervous about the job? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely anxious about it. I'm definitely like, I think it's just human nature to think like, okay, well, I, I don't know exactly how to do this right. i know i'm going to work hard i know i'm going to try and do everything in my power to be the best at that but of course i'm going to have i'm going to be anxious going in thinking okay but i think for me that's how just that's how i operate if i don't know exactly how i'm just going to just be obsessed about just getting it perfect and just doing it right and i think that's good that's okay for me but I, i'd be lying if i said of course i have you know, ugh, I got to do this, got to do that. I'm very particular in how I, I think and, and how I do things. And um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm yeah. a little anxious. Well, you know, they but... say physiologically, there's no difference between excitement and nerves. That they, they both elicit the same exact physiological response, but it's just how, then, you, how you frame it, you know, but they- All mindset. Yeah, it's all <clears throat> mindset, baby. That's yeah, all it is. Yeah. With the logistics, you guys are well versed at packing up the kiddos and heading back to Bloomington for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine it's a little more in depth because you're you're packing everything everything up forever and or getting yeah. rid of it. Do, is that something where you're having to to use some mental bandwidth on that as well? Uh, can the wife take care of that? Do you have do you do you like do you just have to wait and see on the games when your actual departure date is? Yeah, exactly. So for for me, it's we start the playoffs tomorrow and earliest, I mean, today's the 13th. We play Friday Sunday, no, Tuesday. We play or Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. So, like, if we lose three games in a row, which hopefully doesn't happen, I don't think Not it will. Happen. Not happen. My season would be over then. And then, you know, I have extra interviews here. I have to 
you know, mm. pack up all this stuff and that kind of stuff. But then from then I'd, I'd be coming home. Or if we keep going far in the tournament, then it just depends on whenever the season's over and we can get stuff shipped and get uh, it all back home is when I'll be back. Could it be like like the NBA tournament goes on for like eight months? Like how what's what's the how far away is the championship round from where you sit now? Like a month out, six weeks? No, it the final game I think the latest is like the twentieth of June. Okay, like that's if you go five games like the whole whole way. Got I it. think. Um, so no later than that, I don't believe. But they love what to drag you- out the season here. What are you going to um? What are you going to miss the most from Germany these last couple of years? Is there a food item? Is there something in in particular that you've become fond of that you're going to miss that you you can't get in Bloomington? What am I going to miss? Indiana is pretty German, so there's not like we eat sauerkraut <laughs> in Indiana and yeah. potatoes and potato salad. No, but I'm going to miss. Yeah, my I wife. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm what definitely going to miss what did the, she say? What the bakery say? items, like when you can just walk down the street and it's like a fresh croissant for fifty yes. cents. And you no, know, I'm I think the convenience of those little things and the fresh coffee, like coffee at at four o'clock, like everybody gets their cake and coffee at like three or four o'clock, and that we won't do that at home. Or maybe I'll have like ten. We need to start day, that. Yeah, we need to start we? cake and coffee <clears throat> with Jordy in Bloomington. Hey. There we go. Let's go at four. I like that. Um, I'll, I'll definitely miss that. I think aside from like something tangible, I'm really going to miss um, seeing my kids in their school system just because they're learning a different language. They really love their friends or teachers. That's probably going to be the hardest thing for my wife and I is just like, you know, we have good things that we're going to be able to have in Bloomington, but this is all I've known. And it's, it's going to be a transition for them too. You know, when they go to school, like the kids aren't going to be speaking German to my son. It's a whole different curriculum and way they do things. Um, And that's not a bad thing to say. That's just all he knows. I think that's going to be really hard, that transition back. And for me and my wife, it's, this has been the only life we've known as a married couple. You know, we come home to the States and that's just vacation. You know, I work out and stuff and we see as many friends as we can. And then, you know, we know we got to pack 12 check bags later and get three kids overseas by August. Um, so for us, we've had to rely heavily on one, one another. So when we come back, we're going to have so much more help, I'll, yeah. I'll say, uh, which is going to be nice. But it's also, you know, OK, where do we have to go for Christmas? And now we have to do this. And, you know, those those are silly things to think about. But we have never really had to deal with that. Um, so I think we'll miss that one-on-one time here, just figuring out on their own, but we'll also be thankful. I think a lot of times just having the extra help back home too. Sure. No doubt. Uh, to ask you kind of a, a weird non-basketball related question, but it's not often we get to talk to somebody who is in Europe. Okay. Germany has been in the news a lot <coughs> because of the relationship with Russia and, mm-hmm. and, and obviously all European countries are much closer to what's going on in Ukraine than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany's got a unique relationship because so much of its en- energy came comes from Russia. Uh, has has the war in Ukraine affected you in any in any um, direct way? Have you seen anything over there that that has changed over the last you know several months that's been eye opening? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that we felt like any you know no threat or anything like that. We never felt like in danger. If I don't know if that's what you're asking, but we've never felt that. Right. Um, as far as 
anything being affected. You know, gas has been way more expensive. We didn't have um, flour for like a month. Hmm. Like there's a flour shortage. Um, it was very hard to get flour and they've been putting limits on certain things in the, in the grocery store. Like only a family can get one of these things, uh, wow. you know, when you come in. Um, but that, other than that, what about um, any teammates, any teammates, Ukrainian teammates or Russian teammates that might've been affected by it? No, I, I don't have any, um, form besides Murray's Creek. Uh, when he was there, right. you know, I was in contact with him like every day, the whole time trying to figure out how the heck we can get this guy out of here. Cause that was you know, scary. Really a scary situation. Yeah. It was nuts. Um, I'm glad he got out and all the things ended up working out for him. Uh, but other than that, other than Maurice, uh, I don't really know anybody else. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the guys we actually went to Kiev, Ukraine earlier this year. Uh, for our Champions League, we went there and played wow. a game. Um, but that was obviously before all this stuff happened. But yeah, it's just been kind of you know we watched the news you know every day uh, as that was happening. And um, but yeah, there was like different uh, rallies and stuff in, in the cities, and you know showing their support for Ukraine and those kind of things, sure. which is uh, really cool to see. Um, yeah. When you, um, yeah. I'm guessing. You know, mostly your big vacation every year as a family would be going back to Bloomington. Maybe you got to take uh, some excursions. I don't know if you ever went to the Mediterranean or other great European cities with the the wife and kiddos while you were there. But do do you now have to figure out like, okay, well, we're going to be back in in Bloomington full time. Where are you going to go on vacation when you're back in the United States? Are you going to go to Disney World? What's the plan? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another conversation we've had because. Uh, when we come home in the summer, we usually do a family vacation with like my parents. We'll go to Florida or something like that right before I leave to come back to your kind of like our last draw. Um, now, uh, yeah, me and my wife usually go on a trip uh, by ourselves, like for our wedding anniversary or something like that. Nice. Now, all this stuff might not, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, babe. It's, you know, like, <laughs> I can be able to go. <laughs> Uh, she might yeah. be going by herself now. I don't know. <laughs> she may uh, like that. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably true. Right. Uh, so yeah, now I mean, going to Ohio isn't you know nearly as good as driving six hours to Paris. You know, so for us, we have to. Try I don't know. Figure out what, what is that thing way. called? What's that thing? King's Island? Is that what? What is it? Oh, Cedar Cedar Point's in Ohio. Cedar Point. Right. Cedar Point right. is nice. <laughs> Cedar that, Point. That's, clo- that's close to Disneyland Paris. You're right. That's that's pretty similar. Yeah, very similar. Uh, all right. So you're going back to Bloomington. <clears throat> For those that don't know, you have a very tight familial connection to one of the great restaurants in the history of Bloomington, your aunt and uncle who run and own the Village Deli. My question, two-parter. What's the order at the Village Deli for breakfast for you? Mm. And two, are you allowed to have breakfast anywhere else in Bloomington? <laughs> I One, my order. Um, I usually get the cinnamon roll pancake. Yes. It's money. Yes. And yes. then I get a side of packs and potatoes. So this was like the last time Eric and I ordered there as the server brought our plates to us. She goes, wow, you guys are really carbo loading. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You're getting ready for your workouts. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a waitress said to us. You guys are really. And and she was, I think, shocked when she saw all the food together. 
and it was only two people. <laughs> Must be carbo-loading. By the way, the one interesting thing about that was that the entire table was brown. There was <laughs> yeah, not yeah. any, it was all brown. Brown pancakes, brown toast, brown potatoes, everything. Waffles. That's the best. Yeah. That's the best. All right, and so I the second part. You are allowed to? Do they guilt I you, am. though? Do you get a guilt trip? No, no, they've been very good. They know, like, I mean, I could eat the same thing every day, but most people can't do that. I lived in Coastal for a year, so I have to. Are you uh, worried that, I mean, look, you're in good shape. You've had to keep yourself in good shape. Now you're not going to be a professional athlete. Are you worried that you're going to gain the freshman workforce 15 by being in Bloomington? It, it is a little worry of mine, but I think since I'll be accessible to, you know, Cliff and yes. in the weight room, I think like, if I can't just go in there and get a 20 minute workout, at least 20 minutes of just core and little cardio. I mean, what am I doing? Yeah. I gotta exactly. be, I, I, I gotta be able to carbo load for something. So my, I'm going to carbo load for those workouts. Yes. In cook hall. Yes. And, and you like, you look at Kenya and ya and Walsh, you know, the, these guys are in good shape. Like if, yeah. if you start letting yourself go, you're going to hear about it. And you know, what's crazy is that I'm a professional athlete, but they're probably a lot stronger than me. That, that's <laughs> probably, they're already stronger than me. I don't look like a professional athlete, you know, but I can shoot like one. So that, that's a good, that thing. works. I do wonder because you're, <clears throat> you're, you know, uh, average height or even uh, above the average height of an American male, but because you've lived in a world of giants, do you feel like you're short? hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I'm a, I am so small compared to everybody. It's, you know, I have guys on my team who are like, yeah, I'm like 6'2". I'm like, dude, I'm looking right in your eyes. You're not 6'2". Everybody's <laughs> lying to themselves their whole life. And I'm really 5'11". I'm not 6 feet. But with shoes, maybe I'm 6 feet. You know, for me, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm 5'11". I don't need to dunk. Threes are worth more. Like, I don't care. I'm sure. If you, but if you, re, do you, like, to one <clears> point, if you hung out in the real world, you'd feel really good about yourself. So I'm excited about that then. But <laughs> I'm in the basketball real world, so I'm going to be yeah. – you know, it's different. No, but, I'm not but going... look, Kenya's not tall. Yah's not that tall. Like, you know, you're going to be eye to eye with some people. Now, Woody is a giant. Woody is a big dude. Woody is a big yeah. dude. And Walsh is a little taller. He's like yeah, six. And I mean, and then like 16 guys on the basketball yeah, but, team. Are walking but he's going to be no. hanging out with different people. But then if like you go but, to the man. bird and you're like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little taller than most of these. I dudes. can see over people. Yeah. I'd be, I can see eye to eye with people. That'd be great. But I think it's also good though, because I'm so short, I have to like earn people's respect. Like I did, I really did play professional basketball, so like that'll be my good way of like I know what I'm doing. I know how to play. Right. So, One of if you're five you, eleven and you play, but okay, I got perfect. You. Um, you mentioned Derek Elston before, one of your best friends who <clears throat> was on the staff for Archie and and Coach Crean actually, and and overlapped, and then and then went into the private sector, and has done really well for himself. But I remember talking to Derek. And his role obviously is not the same as what your role is. But one of the things Derek loved in his role was building a relationship with the players that mm -hmm. they, that he became a, a, you know, someone who was closer in age to them than the coach, than the coaches, they trusted him and he got to build a rapport with them. I would imagine the same thing is going to be true for you. As long as you're open to it, that I think the players, especially because of you just walking off the court of being a professional player, which is obviously an ambition for almost everybody on that team. But the, the idea that you can really build a personal relationship with these guys and maybe offer them something that is more than just basketball talk, but all the other stuff around it, 
Uh, how excited are you uh, for for that aspect of the job? Yeah, that's that's really exciting to me because that's something I've been doing as I've become a, a vet, you know, over here. You know, that's something I do every year, whether I have rookies on my team or younger guys who are looking for a little bit of guidance. Um, that's something that I really take a lot of a lot of pride in uh, and take to heart because I, I think I can provide a lot of different insights, just different perspective, you know. I, I try and view things not just from how I would see things, but also, okay, well, this is really what the coach is saying. And this maybe this is how you can better understand what we're trying to do as a team. Um, I've had to do that, you know, night for the layout for sure. Every, every, every year I've played over here, we try and figure those things out. So for me to build those relationships with the players um, is a great opportunity to, to show that. But also when recruits come in and talk to the players, they're also going to see like, you know, this is how, how we operate. This is the kind of relationship you can have. They're going to try and push you and try and make you get better. And for me to be part of that and try and be that, that person that can help, you know, buffer, um, you know, what, what we're trying to get them to do, or if they need to, you know, just rely on somebody, you know, I'm happy to be that guy because I've been able to do that over here for so long. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, that, uh, that building that relationship, that process. Well, and I do think with Coach Woodson and his NBA bona fides, that's great. That's such a huge attraction for recruits to the program. But yourself, like so many other basketball players uh, over the last few decades, have went and had these amazing, rewarding, enriching careers overseas. And, you know, and I think that that certainly if, if there was, you know, okay, uh, a couple of the top stud recruits who are like, yeah, okay, you're going to go to the NBA. But, you know, a lot of these other guys, high four-star guys, solid players who, you know, just it's, you know, they're not 1% of the 1% who are going to mm-hmm. make it to the NBA. I've got to feel like even coming in the door to Indiana University, if they have a little bit of perspective and of, of how realistic different aspirations are, that, that's got to be such a huge selling point that you have people who have had, like the gamut of a professional basketball playing career between you and Coach Woodson, like any question they could possibly have, the two of you could answer. 100%. And, uh, you know, like you said, I think you made a good point, like the perspective and like understanding what your different options are. Yes, of course, my, my dream was always going to the NBA. That's what I want to do. We're going to do as much as we can at, at Indiana to try and get you there. Um, it doesn't always happen. Um, and what are your options from there? Are you going to go to the G League? Are you going to go and play overseas or what have you? And um, with my experience overseas, obviously, it's been building those relationships. Same thing I'm going to be doing at Indiana is what I've done the last nine years as far as that goes. Um, you know, and I think that would be a, a huge asset to the players if they're open to, to that. You know, I'm not going to push anything on them uh, or anything like that, but I think that does provide them a different insight that maybe not uh, other schools may even have. Um, and I feel like I've been able to do that over here, just different guys who are so well connected throughout Europe. Um, oh my gosh. Uh oh. No. What's going on Uh-oh. here? I heard a ding dong. There is a ding dong. Oh, look who's here. <laughs> Look who's here! <laughs> oh, oh, and look, look at him. He can't figure out how to connect to audio. Do you not work connect. this thing? He can't. He he told me he had to download Zoom. He's who got doesn't verti- have Zoom? He's got the vertical going. For those those at home listening, not looking, uh, we are looking at Derek Elston's confused face right now. Wait, he's trying again. Is, can you hear me? Yes. Jesus H. What the heck is Zoom? 
Derek Elston, welcome to the show. We have been talking to one of your best friends and former teammates and newest member of the IU basketball staff, and we thought it would be fun to surprise Jordan with a former teammate. Derek, when you heard the news that Jordan was returning to Indiana, what was your first thought? Out of the ki- out of the oven and into the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. What's up, Diesel? This guy, Jordan. Hey, but I actually heard that uh, I knew the news broke. Uh, obviously, those guys over at IU can't keep anything to themselves. <laughs> so I knew the news broke, and they said that you didn't want to have it come out to be a bother because you were in the Final Four. And I didn't know if you had finished up the season or you're still going. You haven't played yet, have you? Uh, we did the Final Four, so that was a different competition. So now we finished that. And the news is going to break like right there. And I was like, I just don't, this is a big weekend. Like, I don't want to make it about me or, you know, whatever. So then right. I waited until we got back from the final four. And now we have playoffs in the German league starting tomorrow. Uh, gotcha. What the Aubrey, heck? It, why, is it, why isn't this story about Aubrey? <laughs> why isn't this story about Aubrey? Let's talk about Aubrey and how she gets to come back home Jordan's got her all over the country in Istanbul and God knows where. <laughs> and now she finally gets to come home. That's what the story needs to be. Jesus. Well, that, that's what the story will be now. I mean, you're making it. <laughs> Derek, What you, you, you worked an office job. You've been working an office job for a while now, but you worked the office job at Indiana for a little bit. Is Jordy cut out for an office job? And what tips would you give him as he settles into that office job? You know, um, the guy's got to learn how to code some film. All right. He's got to learn to use a MacBook. He's, <laughs> uh, I actually, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't, the title is recruiting and uh, he's going to be perfect at that. Uh, just talking to high school coaches around uh, the state. There's no issues there. It's just, you know, when I first was learning it, I was under so much pressure with green uh, trying to, you know, pull clips and give me the last four championships and cut them all up and, you know, guys whistling. So it's like, it's just got to pick up on the little things. It's trying to do something new. Honestly, it's, it's seeing the game and Jordan's got a perfect perspective of it just because of how much he's played over his lifetime of just kind of looking at everybody knows X's and O's and in the big 10 coaches don't really veer away from what they do. Um, it's kind of implement players into their system. So it's kind of learning to find something new or something that's not been seen before with certain actions. And, um, you know, it's tough when you have those jobs where it's your scout and you have a Purdue scout where they don't run actions, they run motions. And it's just picking up on stuff that, you know, maybe coaches aren't really seeing and, you know, Jordan was our floor general, so he saw the game better than any of us. So um, I think he's going to come in with that attribute that's just going to skyrocket him. And, um, you know, the off the court stuff is easy. Having a conversation with Jordan is uh, the easiest thing to do. So when recruits come on, um, that's going to be a home run for Indiana. And just, you know, watching old highlight films and, you know, they got 20 highlights of Jordan shooting it from half court. You don't think Gabe Cups is going to love seeing that? <laughs> so, 
Hold it, on, Jordan can't talk about Gabe Cups. Jordan can't talk about Gabe Cups. Yeah, okay, well, he's Gabe Cups is probably the closest thing that I've seen to Jordan so far, probably minus the ball handling and all the the trick shots that he'd do in pig. But um, that <laughs> when I heard that Jordan was joining the crew, um, that really had me excited. I know it has to have this kid excited that he's joining the staff. <laughs> Jordy, what kind of trick shots would you do, Jordy? Yeah, what's your uh, go-to trick shot in pig? I'll tell you. Oh, okay, go ahead. Dude. He does this. He'll do this. All right, I'm gonna. This Zoom thing is about ridiculous. By, by the way, Derek, we've been in a pandemic for two and a half years. My mother, who can't turn on a light switch, uses Zoom. You're the only person in the world who doesn't accept Zoom as part of life now. I think I had to use it for like one meeting, but like. He, listen, it, it just, I, uh, I yeah, don't, you, you don't need zoom. Cause you're Show just out the on a golf course. You're on a golf course. All right, well, I got to turn my phone around, but this guy, Jordan will yeah. put his feet like this on the out of bounds line. I can't see what you're doing. Bounds. We can't well, see what you're doing. Hold on. Okay. So you see my feet? Yes. <laughs> All right. This is the baseline. This yes. is the sideline. You do this and shoot it left-handed and you can't beat him. Jordy, is that the go-to? <laughs> that's that's it. People, they don't, they don't practice that stuff. Hey, D, good to see you, bud. I appreciate the kind words. Hey, come on, Jordo. You, you can't ever talk about a guy who needs some Zoom. You can't ever get a hold of this guy. It's 3 o'clock in the morning when I want to call him. Yeah. So It's time zones. That's what happens. Yeah, well, yeah different side of the world. Right so, now. Derek, though, as a former teammate, as a guy who loves Indiana, how happy were you just hearing the news that, that Jordy, this guy that obviously you love and, and you're close to, and you know how much he bled and sweat for Indiana is going to be part of the staff. How happy did it make you? Well, I'll tell you when we're in college and we're all playing together, the whole thing is obviously to get to the league. And then the, if you don't make it to the league, you play till your wheels fall off. Mine was kind of that instance. So I didn't believe this guy, Jordan, he, he, he my God, the guy will play until he's 70. I guarantee it. So when he, when it, when it was broke or when it was a rumor that he was going to come back and take this, I said, it's the perfect position, but Jordan's been playing unbelievable the last three or four years. And, you know, he's starting to get some big time looks from a lot of really, really good overseas teams. So I didn't believe it at all. Um, but the fact that he did took, did take the position means that like, this is a home run for Indiana. It's a home run for Jordan because when it was all said and done, I thought he was going to come by and find some piece of land in Bloomington and build his own gym to do some workouts. But uh, this is two bricks with one stone or two birds with one stone. Um, and I was just excited because now one, uh, you know, he's going to be back. So we're going to be able to drive an hour to go have dinner with the guy finally, instead of waiting every other year to see him. You say uh, dinner, but I say let's party at the bird. The party at the bird. No, <laughs> no more parties at the bird. <laughs> you're, you're you're talking to married people. There's kids involved. That's true. There, you do have a child now since the last time we were at the bird together. Come on, baby, little Look at that, Parker. Come that. on, come on. But yeah, but how cool is? Are you excited? Like the idea that you guys can now get your kids together is pretty exciting. It's amazing. 
that, that, I mean, it's just life has changed so much for the both of us. Um, you know, I think, geez, I mean, the last time I saw Jackson, I was, or Jackson, <laughs> the last time I was, I saw Jack was probably two years ago. And just to be an, a dickhead, I was just screaming nine at him the whole time. And I actually <laughs> made him cry. <laughs> and that's how I left. So I'd like to rekindle. That's how I'd like to rekindle Jack and I's relationship. And then, you know, Parker, you know, not being able to walk yet, but just get her involved with everything with Jordan and Aubrey. I mean, this is like a dream come true outside of basketball, just for me, just because he's around more. That's great. I, I, Derek, before we let you go, I do want to ask a question. I love the picture of your baby behind you. Yeah. What, what is going on with the picture above that? Is that like a glamor shot of you and your wife posing on a couch together with, with dogs, with dog? Yes, it is. But I mean, dude, what's happening? Don't worry about it guys. Cause you know, I always, I have the Holy grail. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Come on. By the way, Jordy, let's talk about this. You're going to have an office now. Have you thought about what's going in the office? No, I have not. But now this conversation with, with Diesel, I see I have to up my game in the office. I have to like really think about that. I have not put any thought into that. Yeah. Well, maybe well, we'll send you a little something. We've, we've maybe got, just we've got eight by tens of me and Eric. Lord, we should together take a or separate of you and me shirtless with <laughs> IU in body paint and go send that in like a giant poster to Jordy. That'd be great for, for everybody. who, who would <laughs> Derek, thank you for jumping on any parting, any parting words for your, your soon to be kind of new neighbor and, and uh, new neighbor. Thick, well, I, I know I don't have to say this because we all went through it together, but thick skin, baby. Thick skin. It's all love when you're winning, but if if you take a little down slope, thick skin. <laughs> gotcha, man. Gotcha, all man. right. Be good, Derek. All right, guys. Good to see you. You see too. You, bud. By the way, I do love the all love statement from people. I love when people say it's all love. That usually follows them just shitting on you for a long time. Like, you're the worst person in the world. I never want to be around you. I can't stand your presence. But it's all love. All love. It's all love. Just makes everything okay. Jordy, is is there anything else? Uh, is there a message you would like to convey to the Indiana fan base about, you know, your feelings coming home and, um, you know, what what we should expect with Jordan Holes as our team and recruiting coordinator. Oh, wow. Um, well, first, I'm just super thankful to Coach Woodson uh, for giving me the opportunity. I mean, this is a really a dream come true for us and for, for us to leave the game, for me to leave the game and not play anymore. This is, like I said earlier, this is probably the only thing that would make me do that. Um, but I couldn't be more excited for that. I think they can expect from me, um, you know, exactly what I did on the court. I'm going to come in be a t pay attention to all the little details everything that made me a good basketball player i think that's going to directly translate into it's going to make me a great team and recruiting coordinator you know that's really how i approach everything people say or may think that i'm just full of cliches or whatever you ask rab johns you know it's one game at a time if you ever ask him that he'll, that's the one thing i always say but that's truly my mindset of how i approach even when it's with my kids i just try and get to the you know, enjoy this day. And I try not to think way too much into, you know, um, things that I can't control. So I know what I can control and that's how hard I'm going to work and, you know, building those relationships and doing everything I can to make the program great. 
that's all I've ever known. Um, and I think people will respect me for that, you know, and again, I have a lot to learn, but, uh, it's really exciting for my family and I, um, it's, it's going to be difficult at first to transition, no doubt, but it's something that, you know, it's, it's coming full circle for us and for us to come home and start this next chapter. It's really, it's really, really special for us. So I appreciate you guys. Let me even say a few words, but that's really what it comes down to like meeting great people like you. Um, some people might not think you're great, but I I think you guys are great. Uh, (laughs) and just, you know, having this platform and having a little bit of fun, but just also sharing our passion for, for the Hoosiers. Um, I think that's what makes us pretty special and what, you know, hopefully I can relay that onto the recruits and, and different kids around the state. And, um, yeah, I hope, hopefully they can respect me for that. No doubt. As a Indiana basketball fan, there is just no one that could have filled that role that would make us as happy as it does when the news came that you were taking it. I mean, you really did hear a rejoicing of IU fans knowing that you were coming back and just so excited that you're going to be touching the program. Nonetheless, you're in, in such a significant way. I mean, because this is an important job. We saw how important it was when Brian Walsh was in it and how, how key it was. So we're so excited, but on a personal level, We've also gotten to know you over the last few years, and we just love you, man. I mean, you are just salt of the earth. Um, even we've loved kind even of getting- when even when Eric made me go to French Lick and stalk all the former players outside the resort, you are one of the few that acknowledged our existence, and we yes. don't forget those things. Hey, we don't. Hey, you never know. You never know. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> you never know when two criminals will be trespassing at a French Lick private <laughs> resort. Um, but but just on a personal level, man, we've gotten to like follow your story with your wife and your kids over the years. And the idea that you get to come back and be around your family and what you and your family have gone through over the last many years, it's just such a special thing that you're all going to be back together in that place doing what you're doing. It fills me with just pride and joy to know how happy they must be for you. And uh, we're just excited to see you on the sidelines again, man. It's going to be really, really fun. And good luck the rest of this season because we'd love for you to come back with a championship and then hit the ground running in June, which will be an important recruiting time. And then we'll see you in the fall. Heck yeah. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's fun as always. Special surprise with Diesel. So appreciate that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's finish strong and then get back home to B Town. Auf, jelly on me. Auf Wiedersehen, mein Freund. Viel Glück, ja? Ja. Sehr gut. Nein, Deutsche, sehr What gut. did you say? What did you say? I said goodbye, my friend. Good luck. Oh. Yeah. That's very good. That's all I got. My son would be impressed. My son say would good luck again. Say good luck again. Viel Glück. Oh, in Yiddish, it's like Zai Gesund. Bless you. Which is Gesund, kind Gesund, of. Gesund, Gesundheit is, is German for good health to you. So right. Gesund makes sense. Yeah. How's this one? And, and, and Entschuldigung Sie bitte. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, please. Excuse me, please. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. Before this, this goes totally off the rails. <laughs> Too um, late. Yeah, too late. Jordy, be good. <laughs> Say hi to your wife and thank her for letting us bother you late night on a, on a German night there. And and good luck to you both and safe travels back to Bloomington when you do it. Sounds great, guys. Appreciate you. Guten Nacht. Guten Nacht. Guten Nacht. <laughs> that was a guest. That was a guest.
Oh, he just makes you smile, doesn't he, Ward? He just yep. makes you just, I mean, I said it. I'm just filled with joy and pride that that guy who could have played internationally at a really high level for several more years thought, no, no, no. I'm not going to pass this opportunity up to come back to Indiana, and I'm going to go for it. That's an amazing thing to do. It really is um, with hearing that because I, I had thought – if you, if I had thought about it, I would have thought, well, he he was thinking it was about time to hang it up. And so you start putting the feelers out and this position was open. But no, like clearly there was some mileage on those tires. And it does. It makes you uh, respect his love for Indiana or I guess appreciate his love for Indiana that much more. And just the way he does, he makes anybody feel when you're in his presence, when you're talking to him, you're like, wow, what a great impression for recruits and their parents, you know. And then when you talk about what makes IU special, what makes IU a family, and obviously with Coach Woodson coming back, that has been a huge step in that direction. And then to have somebody like Jordy, you know, when you look at at Coach Woodson, and then you have Jordan Holes, and then you have Anthony Leal on the current roster. And, and of course, like Woody said, he never left Bloomington. He might be from Indianapolis, but once he got to Bloomington, he was always coming back there. And there's just something, we call it the greatest city on earth for a reason. And when you have people like that populating it at different generations, Woody to Jordy uh, to, the, to, to Anthony, and now knowing the families around those people too, it's like, wow, what a special place, what a special program that just got that much more special with the reintroduction of Jordy Hulls as part of the IU program. Now, look, I don't know a lot of other team and recruiting coordinators, so I don't know like the level of experience that some have, but I do, do you know, know any one. other. Do you know any others? Yeah. Oh. I know one. <laughs> <laughs> I know one. <laughs> And I, in my head, I'm just comparing <laughs> happens to be another Big Ten recruiting coordinator. Mm -hmm, yeah. So Jordy Hulls <laughs> has to compete with Brian Snow. <laughs> we won. Poor, poor Micah Shrewsbury. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, I know one. And that's, <laughs> that's all I know. I, um, I, I love the guy. I, uh. It, it's it's interesting because he's about to drink from the fire hose. Like that's do you know that phrase? Uh, I'm I'm I feel like I can guess what it means. Yeah, but that that's what's going to happen to him. You know, like he's going to come into Bloomington, and he the fire hose is going to get turned on, and he's going to have to take a drink, and it's going to be overwhelming because it's just a totally. I, I was so interested in putting myself in his shoes, going from athlete, which is such a. Of course, there's a mental side to it, how you prepare yourself, you know, film that. But it's a physically demanding job 24-7, how you take care of your body, how you prepare your body, how you recover. And now it's all mental and prep and intellectual work and, and grinding on phones and databases and organization. And that it's just going to be a transition for him. And I love the enthusiasm that he has for it, because if you don't have that, it's very, it, I would imagine it would be really difficult to make that transition. And I'm just excited for him entering into this new phase. But it, you, going back to what you said about admiring and appreciating his love of Indiana basketball, 
I was having a conversation with a talent recently out in LA who walked away from a job that he was killing it at to just be like, I'm done. I, 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 I'm on top. I'm going to go do something else now. I'm going to go do a different kind of performing. But he made the point to me, he's like, athletes are the only people in our society that die twice. Mm. Because once you're done being an athlete, you can never do that thing again. Right. And, and then you really die. But when you can't do that thing again, that is a form of death that is really difficult for a lot of people. Whereas most of us, like if you lose your job or you try to change up, you're still going to do something in that world again. And you can do it for a lot of years. Athletes can't. And Jordy is making the choice to walk away from that. We heard Derek talk about it. The thought was you just do it till the wheels come off. And mm -hmm. that's how War Jordy thought of it until this opportunity came up. This I mean, this just has to be such a unique opportunity and special for him to make the choice to walk away when he is playing at a level of international ball that's the highest he's ever played at. That's what? the level he's at. And, like, I think he was talking more intellectually about almost all of this. Like, there's times you could see the the emotion, the excitement of, of coming back to Bloomington, all that. But when he was talking about... Uh, his conversations with the assistant coaches and Mike Woodson, which is kind of like his interviews for the job. Yes. And and you could see in his eyes, they start to widen and his body kind of like got full of the passion he had for IU because he was recreating in his mind and for us, I don't even think consciously of how he was on those phone calls, which was like bubbling with excitement for Indiana University and to be able to actively participate in making it better on a daily basis. And the way that animated him just for a moment when speaking with us, I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It goes back to that thing of he's one of us in that regard. Of course, he has all the skills and the talent and the pedigree and the resume, all that of, of being a great Indiana basketball player and a great professional basketball player. But at his core, he's got just this love of IU that he's now so excited to, to be able to pour himself into every day. He's got that love for IU and then can add to that love for IU by saying to a recruit, Oh, you, you want to know what it's like to be a basketball player at Indiana University when it's working? Let me show you a little piece of footage from a game in 2012 where we beat, or 2011, where we beat Kentucky, the number one team in the country. And I was the starting point guard for that team. And I had several threes in that game. And that's me as part of the dog pile that happened at the end. Let me tell you what it's like when selection Sunday comes around and we're given a number one seed. Let me tell you what it's like to go to Michigan and win the big 10 championship outright on the last game of the year. Let he, he has that passion that we all have as fans. And then he's got the ownership of knowing what it means to wear the candy stripes at the highest level it's been at in 20 years. So well, I want I, I just can't wait for him to communicate that stuff in the recruiting visits and the recruiting conversations. And that I think we all immediately fixated on his uh, being a native from the area and that he does still have and has, has grown even more in the relationships and respect uh, he's garnered from folks around the state in places of influence with with potential recruits. But man, oh, man, like to have any kind of pipeline to Europe, 
Like, I, I certainly hope that's something that our current coaching staff wants to take advantage of because I would think that is uh, a considerable advantage to be utilized that very few college programs have. Well, and Indiana has never had. I yeah, mean, that, correct. you know, like, we just... When you see what, like, Gonzaga and now Arizona, obviously because of the pipeline from Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Arizona, Baylor is in there. Uh, Villanova has had some success, I believe. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it would be an incredible advantage to be able to tap into anything. I mean, I'm already like, who's this kid from Vegas? Yeah. Right. Who's this son? Can he shoot? Can he shoot? Well, and that's and that's how Jordy's already thinking about it. He's yeah. already racking his brain for any possible connection and tangent, you know, that he could go track down and present to the coaches as a possibility. And I do. It's silly to even say this because I think everybody listening to us knows. But the connection to the state of Indiana, it is the only one. I mean, he's got the best connections to the state of Indiana from a recruiting standpoint, probably on the staff right now. I'm just from growing up in it, knowing these people, these people knowing him. I mean, many of these guys, you know, they know him from when he was this big and, and he's not that much taller now. Yeah. He's just, uh, just a couple inches ago, but I, I, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting. And, and look, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say a lot of these same thoughts is what I had when they brought Dane in, because, you know, that's what we were all thinking. It just didn't work out. It doesn't mean that doing it is broken. You know, it doesn't mean that doing it can't work. It just means that one didn't work. But I remember all of those feelings of passion and pride and like, oh, this is great. And I just have so much faith that Jordy is going to dive into this position, which let's be clear, it is not an assistant coach position. And I know Jordy was like, we'll find out what I can do on the court. He's going to find out not much at all. Yeah. You yeah. can go on the court and shoot, Jordy, but you can't yeah. coach the kids. Yeah, that's the thing. Even just letting the players see how somebody <laughs> shoots the ball really well. I mean, I mean, like Walsh, I think obviously now he can get on the court and, and show some stuff, but like, Oh, great. Yeah. Just, just to have somebody in the program who's not coach Woodson, who's a great shooter. I, I wonder, I wonder how coach Woodson's shot is these days. Well, we've seen it a little bit in, in practice. He can still fill it up. I haven't seen him shoot in practice. Oh, yeah. I've seen him shoot in practice. When they're stretching, he takes the ball. He shoots. The ball bounces. It hits him in the back of the head. Guys are stretching. <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, but he'll step out to three. He'll have, like, contests with Kenya. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, he doesn't get a lot of lift. Sure. Sure. Not a lot of lift. But um, but just to have great sh more great shooters around those guys, it can't hurt. No, I, I, well, yeah, surely cannot hurt. <laughs> yeah, it can't get any worse. Right. Uh, love Jordy Halls. Love that he's back. Excited for him. Uh, and I hope he wins a championship. It's his swan song in playing and, and, and finishes strong. I know that final four in the Champions League, I did some research on it. That Champions League thing is a bigger deal than their playoffs now because that's an international competition, whereas this one is just his German league. Right. So but that one is like the equivalent of the Champions League in soccer, which is a huge deal. That's like the one everybody wants to win. That's the big one in Europe. So did they lose in the final four? They did. And then they and then they played the 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 in the final four. They lost and then they played the loser and won. So they you know, got the bronze. Yeah. Did you know they used to do that in the NCAA? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they that's why he said they finished third. But that was a huge achievement to make it to that final four is a huge achievement. So that is a nice. And and then I know um, 
I think he had like seven points and seven assists in the last game, you know, so he's still a productive guy starting member, starting five member of those teams. Well, and you have to love that he's going out on top, you know, because inevitably, you know, he's at 32. Yeah, maybe another good, good couple of years, but a couple three, couple three, maybe, but it's going to start to diminish. And that's always like, you know some guys are really good at figuring out how to utilize other aspects of their game, but usually those guys are like six, eight. Yeah. And he's so got one just, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So when that starts to go, so I think while it might make it a little tougher in the moment you certainly, when you look back at those, that last season, those last few games, the last couple of tournaments you played, he was being like, I walked away on top and that's really cool for him. Very cool. And that is a hard thing to do in athletics because you're never going to do it again. So how do you walk away? I mean, look, Tom Brady couldn't walk away. It's a very, look at boxers that just keep coming back. I, I get it. Like I never begrudge an athlete for staying past their welcome because sure. you, this is the only time in your life you're ever going to be able to play this game that you love for money. Well, and, and that's do it been, forever. That's been your, that's your, been your whole identity. That is who you are from an extremely long, young age. Like a lot of people might start to find their passion in high school or college, but then your really career only starts getting started like, like mid or early mid twenties. But with athletes, this has been the thing that has defined them since they're like eight in most cases, a few late bloomers, but it's like, oh yeah. So that first death you're talking about, it's the death of, of that ego and needing to find a completely different identity. And I think it's very natural that if you go into coaching or you go into sports casting, you get to stay around that thing. Right. But you know, look, I'm still clearly in my athletic prime. So I, I don't really know what, what that transition is going to be like for me, but it, it won't be happen. easy. I'm sure. No, it's why, by the way, Vince Carter, who I never really liked, I loved him at the end of his career because he was like 40 and still playing basketball. I think he played like 21, 20, or maybe like 22, 23 seasons in the NBA. Well, because that's, he was our age, right? So then you're like, see, I could still be doing it. Yep. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I get it. And I, it, it again, just speaks to how difficult, how it wasn't that difficult for Jordy, how how important Indiana is to him that it made it not a difficult decision to walk away on top. That's an incredible thing. Excited as hell for him. Excited as hell for the season. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the sometimes, sometimes why? From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.